Thank you for downloading this podcast of Andy's Movie Mashup from GFM 107.1. For rights reasons, the music has been removed, so it's just me talking. Enjoy. If my uh, if my wife is listening, yeah, remember to turn microphone up before you speak. If my wife is listening, she will have enjoyed that. That was the Beatles with Get Back. That's from Eight Days a Week, The Touring Years. Weirdly, is on that. It is in that movie. Um... Welcome to Movie Mashup on GFM 107.1. On this week's show, I'm going to be talking about, from, nine, from, from 2015, Paranormal Activity, colon, The Ghost Dimension. Sounds like a stinker. Is it a stinker? You'll find out. Uh, from this year, uh, Wonderstruck, which is Todd Haynes' latest. He directed Carol with, um, well, I was struggling to remember the name of that, and it just popped into my head, uh, with Cape uh, Blanchett. Uh, but this isn't that doesn't Wonderstruck doesn't star Kate Blanchett, and finally uh, 2017's best Oscar winner, not La La Land, Moonlight. Going to be talking about that. I finally caught up with that this week. Also, um, movies that are on TV this week. What's on at local venues? Some DVD picks. It's all the usual stuff, really. Anything else that pops into my head. This is the last show for a couple of weeks because I'll be on holiday. So. Um, Enjoy while you can. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. Uh, okay, so let's play some more music. This is from Florence Foster Jenkins. I'm not going to subject you to more Meryl Street bad singing. This is Fat Swaller with Take It Easy. All right, that was uh, the Ray Noble Orchestra with a track called Midnight, the Stars and You. That's from the soundtrack. Uh, that might have triggered you, actually. That's from the soundtrack to The Shining. So there you go, some happy memories there. And before that was Fat Swallow with Take It Easy. That is from Florence Foster Jenkins. Okay, apparently my wife is listening um, with a friend. And they're going to say hello. They're going to say hello back, but I can't hear them. Um, okay, so first movie this week is Paranormal Activity, The Ghost Dimension. It's a 2015 American 3D found footage supernatural horror film directed by Gregory Plotkin in his directorial debut, Written by Jason Pagan, Andrew Stark, Adam Robitel, and Gavin Heffernan. Uh, Plotkin served as the editor for the second, third, fourth, and fifth films. It's a sequel to Paranormal Activity colon, The Marked Ones from 2014, and is the sixth and final instalment in the Paranormal Activity series. Um, it was released in, on October the 23rd, 2015, and it has grossed so far $78 million on a 10 million budget, which isn't actually that good. I think these films usually do much better than that. Um, now, you may be forgiven for thinking that paranormal, the Paranormal Activity series was done and dusted. Um, I certainly did. I was very surprised to find that there was more than three, because I've seen the first three, and I think I've, yeah, and now I've seen this one. Um, so this follows, uh, follows on from the third movie, which is useful, because that's the one I've seen. And uh, it, instead of us not seeing what's going on, we can now see things that are happening using a magical v VHS video camera that somebody finds in the attic in this film. Um, and it seems to contain technology that can't, couldn't possibly ex have existed at the time that this movie was supposedly, you know, the tape was supposedly found. Um, yeah, so the, the camera dates from between 1988 to 1992. There's no way that it could have that technology inside it. But anyway, 
Um, this is basically the same old, same old from Paranormal Activity, but without the added bonus of the fact that it was quite a fresh idea when it, when it first came out. I mean, sure, it, it relies on jump scares um, and a sort of static camera watching weird stuff play out. Um, and that was, that was pretty effective in itself. Um, other than that, I don't really think there's anything particularly remarkable about Paranormal Activity franchise. Um, and uh, certainly there's not a lot that's remarkable about this. Uh, you know, they've tried to sort of change it up by letting you see the, um, the stuff that's happening. But actually, it's all just a bit esoteric and a bit rubbish and doesn't really work very well. Uh, I think I would have been happy, you know, either that they just finished the series earlier or they'd done a better final movie. Uh, in the end, it has its moments, but, you know, we've, we've seen the thing where the camera follows something and then there's a long period of silence and then there's a bang when the door goes bang or something falls on the floor or something smashes and you're just expecting this stuff to happen. And actually, I was watching this on my own and I ended up pointing at the screen and laughing when there was stuff happening because it's, yeah, it's just not good. So I've definitely taken one for the team on this, on this occasion. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a rating of 14% and it says it ties up some of the franchise's lingering questions, but six films into the series, the thrills are mostly gone. Yeah, true enough. Um, when I caught up with this, I was interested enough to watch it. I kind of wished I hadn't, but, you know, there we go. Uh, and it's rated 15. So I would say, well, it, if you haven't seen any of these movies, watch the first one. And then if you like that, watch the next two and then stop there. I would say, if, if you're not interested in it, then don't worry about it. Um, there were no soundtrack items of note and... So I decided to play something else ghostly, thinking that uh, it would be a lot more fun than anything that's in the movie. So here we go. All right, so next movie this week is a film called Wonderstruck. It's a 2017 American mystery drama film directed by Todd Haynes and based on the 2011 novel Wonderstruck by Brian Selznick, who also adapted the novel into a screenplay. And the film stars Oakes Fegley, Julianne Moore, Michelle Williams, and Millicent Simmons. So this came out earlier this year. Uh, oh, no, hang on a second. Yeah, I'm just going to look up the UK release date, but I think it came out earlier this year uh, in this country. Um, and the film interlaces two stories set 50 years apart, switching frequently between them. So each story, each story tells the story of a, a child's quest in 1927, Rose, played by Simmons, runs away from her father's New Jersey home to find her mother-slash-movie idol, the actress Lillian Mayhew, played by Julianne Moore. And in 1977, recently orphaned Ben, played by Fegley, runs away from his Minnesota home in search of his father. So it was met with a three-minute standing ovation following its premiere at the 2017 Cannes Film Festival, that seems to happen quite a lot. I think, I'm pretty sure I've talked about quite a few films lately that have had a, a huge standing ovation at Cannes. Um, so, let's talk about the movie. So, yes, two, two intertwining plot lines, uh, both, um, both featuring children who are on a quest for something. 
So the uh, the young boy, Ben, he does indeed run away from his Minnesota home in search of his father, who he's never really known. Um, and <clears throat> along the way, something happens to him that I won't talk about that sort of feeds into the other story that's happening, which is the one set in 1927, featuring a young girl called Rose, who is on the hunt for her mother, uh, slash movie idol, uh, played by Julianne Moore. And the, those sequences are in black and white, and they play out like a silent movie. So there's no dialogue. Well, people talk, but you can't hear them. Um, and there's occasionally captions on screen to describe what's going on. And in 1977, young Ben... Uh, is undergoing something similar. But I, again, I can't really talk about it, but it's, it's complex and it's a plot spoiler. So I can't talk about it. What I can talk about is the rather beautiful way that Todd Haynes has orchestrated all of this. So, so these two plot lines, <clears throat> at first they seem to not be related, but they gradually start to converge in a way that's very pleasing there's also a fantastic score by Carter Burwell, who, as soon as I heard one of his sort of soaring symphonic refrains, I thought, that sounds like Carter Burwell, and I looked it up, and it was. Um, he's, on a, he's, he's a regular collaborator with the Coens and uh, other filmmakers. His stuff is quite distinctive. Um, and it's quite a long movie. It's a little bit plodding in places, but at the point when things started to converge, uh, I found it to be incredibly moving. And uh, I won't say in what way or what happens to do that, because that would, again, be a spoiler. But I really enjoyed this film. Uh, I remember, I think it was Robbie Collin on uh, Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo's uh, movie programme, who were, uh, he was very enthusiastic about it. Um, certainly said it may not be for everyone, but it is a very nice piece of work. It certainly as a follow-up to Carol, which is, um, I'd say, uh, for Todd Haynes, a pretty mainstream piece of work. This is quite, this is almost an experimental movie in a way. You know, I could see this playing out as like a short film or something like that, but it's a full-length feature. Uh, it's really good. I think if you're up for something a bit different, that uh, may not be quite structured in the way that you may expect it to be. This may tick all of your boxes. So it's called Wonderstruck. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a rating of 67%. Uh, and it says, Its efforts to juggle timelines and tonal shifts aren't always smooth, but the end result still adds up to an emotional journey whose visual thrills live up to its title. Yeah, it is visually quite stunning. Um, and David Rooney of The Hollywood Reporter said, it's alive with the magic of pictures and the mysteries of silence. This is an uncommonly grown-up film about children, communication, connection and memory. I'd also say that uh, it's quite a humanist movie as well, which is, which is interesting. Um, David Elreich of IndieWire says, it's a soul-stirring and fiercely uncynical film. Yeah, I think that's where I say it's sort of a humanist film. It, it has hope, you know, it has a sense of positive energy about it, which I found to be quite powerful. Um, I'm just seeing who shot it. Edward Lackman, I don't know. No, I'm not familiar with his work. Um, so that is out now on DVD and Blu-ray. 
if you want to seek that out, uh, I suggest you do. It's very good indeed. Uh, that was uh, Unless You Needed Telling. That was David Bowie with uh, Space Oddity. Before that was uh, a part of Deodato with uh, a sort of disco jazzy version of Also Sprack Zarathustra. They are both from the soundtrack to Wonderstruck that I talked about just before that. Okay, so next movie, or final movie this week, is Moonlight. It's a 2016 American coming-of-age drama film written and directed by Barry Jenkins based on Terrell Alvin McCraney's unpublished semi-autobiographical play In Moonlight, Black Boys Look Blue. It stars Trevant Rhodes, Andre Holland, Janelle Monet, Ashton Sanders, Jarelle Jerome, Naomi Harris and Maheshwarala Ali. And the film presents three stages in the life of the main character, his youth, adolescence and early adult life. It explores the difficulties he faces with his sexuality and identity, including the physical and emotional abuse he endures growing up. Filmed in Miami, Florida, beginning in 2015, Moonlight premiered at the Telluride Film Festival in 2016, and it was released in the United States uh, and worldwide in October 2016. At the 74th Golden Globe Awards, it won Best Motion Picture for Drama and the Academy Awards won Best Picture, along with Best Supporting Actor for Ali, Best Adapted Screenplay for Jenkins and McCraney, from a total of eight nominations. So, uh, the New York Times considered it the 20th best film of the 21st century so far. And it became the first film with an all-black cast, the first LGBT film, and the second lowest-grossing film domestically behind The Hurt Locker to win the Oscar for Best Picture. And the film's editor, Joy McMillan, became the first black woman to be nominated for an editing Oscar alongside co-editor Nat Sanders. And Ali became the first Muslim to win an acting Oscar. So, a lot of milestones there. Um, This was obviously famously the movie that uh, Warren Beatty ran out, um, ran out, read out the incorrect nomination for so he said uh, the oscar goes to la la land when actually it went to moonlight um had a budget of 1.5 uh to 4 million which seems like a strange uh, number and a box office of 65.3 which is yeah i mean it's pretty good it's uh, yeah, it's um okay so the plot is that there's a young young man um uh, who we see, yeah, in his three ages of growing up, as uh, I'd say, um, probably about between ten and twelve years old, and the trouble that he has with his mother, and then falling in with uh, drug dealer played by Ali, who sort of takes him under his wing. Um, you know, weirdly, Ali has uh, kind of quite a strict moral code, despite the fact that he's a drug dealer. Um, he seems to have a strict moral code, and he takes the young boy under his wing. Um, the relationship between the boy and his mother, played by brilliantly played by Naomi Harris, uh, who um, is addicted to um, addicted to drugs and uh, can't get out of it, and uh, also the relationship between him and his peers, including people who basically terrorise him at school and physically intimidate him and beat him up and this kind of thing. Um, we then see him, you know, older, sort of at high school where he endures the same kind of thing, but but is starting to get a sense of himself and who he is. And then, uh, finally, uh, in 
what is probably the shortest sequence we see him as a young man and um, all the stuff that goes along with that. Um, this, is, uh, this is a wonderful movie. You know, it's taken me a while to catch up with this one. Um, I was certainly very interested and intrigued by it at the time, but didn't get around to watching it. So I would say that uh, it is very good indeed. I think it's a, it's a far better film than La La Land, which I think was good in parts, but should it have been a best picture contender? No, not at all. I think that this being a movie about uh, a black person struggling with their identity in a largely, a completely, uh, LG, well, a black cast, um, is, uh, is commendable that this one best picture. And it's a fantastic movie. What, I think what really sets it apart is the, um, the performances are very naturalistic. The uh, camera work is beautiful, so at bleak at times, but it, you know, the, the, the shots stay fairly tight um, uh, on, our, on the main character and the kind of trials that he is facing. Also, the angles are really interesting. You know, they sort of seek to, um, el- to elevate the tension that's going on in the scene by, by using slightly unnerving angles. And the music, uh, you would expect a film like this to have a sort of rap soundtrack, um, but it doesn't. Uh, it uses snippets of classical music, which is really interesting, and also some sort of um, incidental music that I'll be playing in a moment uh, to sort of um, punctuate it. It's fantastic. I think uh, a magnetic performance is by the three mains, also by Ali, who is terrific and well-deserving of a supporting actor, Oscar. I mean, he's, he's good in everything. Um, he, he's good in even stuff that isn't all that good. Um, I'm trying to think of stuff that he's been in that isn't very good. I suppose some of House of Cards isn't very good. He plays a very good um, supporting role in that. Yeah, it's great. It's thoroughly deserving of Best Picture. I think if you haven't seen it, and um, you know, maybe you thought it might be a bit heavy for you, it isn't all that heavy. It's just really, really good. Uh, that's what I would say about it. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a rating of 98%, and it says it uses one man's story to offer a remarkable and brilliantly crafted look at lives too rarely seen in cinema. That's true enough. I'm pretty sure that there are indie movies that show stories like this one, but they probably won't get seen by many people. This received a very good release and obviously scored best picture. Um, And on Rotten Tomatoes, it was the highest scoring film of 2016. So there we go. Finally caught up with that. And it's rated 15. I love that. That was The National with a track called Runaway. That's on their album High Violet. And that is from the movie Warm Bodies. Okay, let's take a look at some DVD picks. This is the last thing today. And uh, out right now, or will be out, excuse me. Or will be out next Monday. Uh, We start with Ready Player One, which is out in 2D, 3D, 4K whatever else you want. Um, Steven Spielberg's latest adaptation, his latest, an adaptation of Ernie Klein's novel. Um, then we've got Love, Simon, which is supposed to be very good. I Love Dogs. Uh, Where's Anderson's latest, which I'm really looking forward to watching. Uh, and a movie called Blockers, which received very good reviews. Those are the DVD and Blu-ray picks. I'm on holiday for the next two weeks, so the show... 
um, in this slot about movies, which is a shame, but gotta gotta have a break. I'll be back after that, uh, hopefully. Uh, there'll be new Good Robot Annie's podcast. We're going to continue talking about the 30 best horror movies of the 20th century. And that's almost the show. Seconds left. What should I talk about? What should you go and see? What should you watch? Over the weekend, go see Mission Impossible Fallout because it's supposed to be great. And that's it. Thanks very much for listening. Time to hand over to Ian. Bye. Thank you for downloading and listening to this podcast from GFM 107.1. Don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter at Cockers underscore 97 and on my Facebook page, which is Andy's Movie Mashup.